Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care, and God bless. Good morning. Good to be with you all this morning as we begin our new sermon series entitled Living. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I wish that there was actually an instruction manual for life. Wouldn't that just be delightful? You would open it up, and just like an Ikea catalog, it would have no words, just little, you know, stick people doing exactly what we should do step after step after step. I think in various moments of my life, I would have reached for that in a heartbeat, right? An instruction manual for living a life. But of course, we all know life doesn't work that way. There isn't an easy instruction manual. Some have said or taught that the Bible is an instruction manual of sorts for living a life. I'm here to say that they're just absolutely wrong. How fun is that? It's always fun to say someone's wrong. I think that we can find meaning in the Bible. I think we can find purpose in the Bible. I think we can find an impulse that can teach us something about living a life, but it definitely isn't as simple as one of those fabulous IKEA instruction manuals, however hard you find those to be. And that is just, we, we, we can keep that to ourselves, I think. Well, there's actually uh, something about instructions for living a life. It's the beginning of a very short poem, and since Pastor Lilliard was bold enough to share a poem last week, I thought maybe I might be bold enough to share one this morning. By the great poet Mary Oliver, instructions for living a life. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. That's right. It is that. We can clap for Mary Oliver. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Mary Oliver wrote this beautiful, winsome poem about how we might live our lives. And if I'm imagining the disciples in our text this morning, thinking about what it might mean to live a life with Christ, you have to get into their seats a little bit. This is in the book of Acts. It's actually the very first chapter of the book of Acts, which is sandwiched right next to the Gospel of Luke. So actually, Luke's Gospel has two parts. Part one is this story of Jesus, all of the miracles that he performed, his life, his birth. We often read the Christmas story right out of uh, the second chapter of Luke, right? But then it has a second part called the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is all about what happened after Jesus died, after Jesus was raised to new life. It asks questions about those very first followers of Jesus, all wondering what might it mean to live a life with Christ. And this is even a more perplexing question if you have physically walked right next to Jesus, is it not? I mean, I was just walking next to the guy. I thought a life with Christ would be Jesus leading the way and we're taking care of the crowds. I thought a life with Jesus might be next week he's going to show up and do a miracle on the other mountain. I thought a life with Jesus might be him 
healing me and my brokenness and my problems and my challenges. I thought a life with Jesus might actually be a new moment for creation itself. The coming of the kingdom of Israel as the disciples ask in today's text. Well, in the beginning of the book of Acts, we hear that Jesus appeared after he was raised, right? So this is after Easter, after that proclamation, after Jesus appears to the women, after he shows up on the road to Emmaus, he stays in Jerusalem for 40 days. It's almost like a masterclass, sitting with Jesus, and the disciples are right there, learning from him, listening to him, copying down his notes, hearing his stories. 40 days. And he appeared to them, doing all sorts of other signs, so that they might believe, so that they might start to imagine living this life without Christ in many ways, living a life without Jesus to hold his hand. And so the disciples are enjoying, I can only imagine, every last moment with Jesus. I mean, they are trying to capture those moments in whatever way they can. They're writing down his words. They're telling them to one another and checking each other's notes. Did you get what he said yesterday morning at, at 10.30? Oh, I had this, but he said something else. I, I didn't hear that the same way that you did. They're trying to capture every single last morsel of what Jesus might have to share. And it's when those 40 days are up that we get this strange story that the church has called the Ascension. For good reason. Ascension means rising up. And so the disciples, they, they go out with Jesus, and all of a sudden, Jesus is drawn up into the heavens, it says. And we can only imagine the disciples all looking skyward, all the way up as Jesus disappears into view. And they're standing there looking up, waiting hoping, dreaming, imagining. Maybe it's starting to dawn on them that, well, now we're on our own. What do we do? And they're stuck, looking at a beautiful scene. Perhaps you've been at a beautiful scene that you wish you could distill into a bottle. Take it home with you. Take it out and smell it and taste it. Explore every last instant of that view. Perhaps you've looked out over a mountaintop or down into a valley and wished that you could just carry a picture. We have these amazing machines in our pockets that never seem to capture the beauty of what we can actually see. And as amazing as these photographs are, I bet it's only an ounce of what the view itself was. So the disciples are caught with their jaw on the floor, looking up 
with whatever emotions were filling their minds. And all of a sudden, two people appear to them and say, hey, fellas, what you doing? Looking skyward, stuck. Get going. Get lost. There's more to be done yet. And I can only imagine the disciples like us were longing for instructions for living a life. You see, Jesus didn't leave behind a nice, tidy manual in a perfectly crisp box with that little Allen wrench screwdriver of exactly what to do and how to assemble it. The disciples were stuck with all that Jesus had left them with. That was all they had. But maybe there's something here in these instructions for living a life. You see, these two men, they said, you're gonna be witnesses to Jesus. You're going to be witnesses. You're gonna point toward what you have seen. But perhaps that can only happen with three steps, and alas, three points. Instructions for living a life. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. It's easier said than done, isn't it? To pay attention. Maybe these two words bring you back to being a little kid in school, anybody? Insert your name, pay attention. Maybe there was even a pay attention. Or maybe even a knock on the desk, pay attention. Or a rap on the finger, pay attention. I was in a group uh, of, of writers talking about the craft of writing a few weeks ago. And one of the things I realized is some of the things I've written down the most like actually copied, right, are the wrong things. I don't know if you grew up writing things, writing sentences on the blackboard, anybody? Maybe I just grew up in a more uh, strict kind of school environment, let's call it that. I remember in third grade, if we forgot to put our name on the top right-hand corner of the paper, the uh, consequence to that action was that we had to turn in an entire paper filled with our name. Full name in rows all the way down. And I remember in seventh grade at the school that I attended that uh, I went to, uh, well, maybe none of this will surprise you, but uh, the sentence that I had to copy, we'll just say it that. I still remember it to this day. I will not converse unnecessarily during class. It didn't surprise my folks. It certainly doesn't surprise my spouse. And I don't think it surprises my kids. But I copied it from left to right on one of those green blackboards over and 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 over again. But I think I got lost. I'm sure that I wasn't paying attention to the words. I'm sure that I wasn't paying attention to the response. It's hard to stay attentive. We have countless distractions in our world. There's one living in my pocket right now. 
At any moment, it could buzz or beep or surprise me with all sorts of information. News about what's happening halfway around the world, or an update about my bank account, or a sports score, or a text message. It could tell me any number of things which might draw me away from what's right in front of me. So pay attention is instruction number one. What does it look like this week to cultivate a spirit of paying attention to the moments that are right here that could easily slip by without even noticing? And I think paying attention is directly connected to number two, which is be astonished. I was in my office, which is just right around the corner here, right outside the sanctuary, and I was talking with our senior director of church operations, Maggie Wagner, and we were discussing some important stuff about a grant application we were getting ready to turn in, and we were kind of in the thick of back and forth, when all of the sudden I was looking toward her out the window, all of the sudden I see a little something dart away. And immediately I wasn't paying attention to the task at hand. Immediately I was drawn to what was outside. And so I said, Meggie, stop. Look out the window. And so we both stood up. And what was outside this window? But a fawn about this big. Just about yay big. And we just saw the end of it. And it darted back into the bushes. And as we stood waiting, we saw it dart back again and sprint across the little lawn right out here. And then it ducked back into the bushes again. A third time, it came out, sprinted all the way across the yard, and then we saw Mama. She looked a little bit annoyed. And here's the little kid just running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and mama just tending her, just, just keeping her ready, just keeping her safe, paying attention. And where were we invited? Was to be astonished. Because that moment is there and then it's gone. Maggie said, get your camera, let's take a picture. And by the time I had reached for my phone to capture this very moment, to show to you all in this very sermon, it was gone. Both of the deer, they'd sauntered off back into the wild. Oddly enough, my uh, family was driving uh, back to church Uh, to pick something up just the other day. And we were driving just down here, and Dorothy or Alma, I can't remember which one of you it was, but said, look, I see a deer. And we saw Mama, because a second later, the little fawn was just wandering right back out. Pay attention, be astonished. What does it look like to be in awe of moments right in front of us. We don't always get surprised by wildlife, although there's a lot of it out there. What might it look like to be astonished by a story that you've heard 3,000 times? You know the story, right? 
your spouse or your mother or, or somebody at work is getting ready to tell you that story that you have heard so many times that you could tell every single plot point about it. Hmm? Now this sounds like a challenge, right? So next time somebody says, I'm going to tell you that story about whatever it might be, I bet that you could find some new bit of information, even in a story that you've heard 10,000 times, because it's told anew to you for that moment. So if you're going to be astonished by something that you've seen over and over and over and over again, you've got to get curious about it. You've got to start to wonder about little pieces of it. Whether it's your deck that you look out at every single morning and see the same view, but each morning it's different. Or that story of the coworker. What if at the next plot point you say, but what did so-and-so say? But what did you feel about that? What if you got curious and started to ask a question that might just surprise you so you might be astonished? And number three, tell about it. You see, the disciples, they had a choice, right? They could have left that mountain. They could have held that treasure. They could have captured those notes from Jesus and tucked them under their pillow. They could have lived with that gift until the day they died. But what fun is that? What fun is it to live with this treasure without actually bringing others along? What gift is it if it's not something that might be shared? So in this sermon series of living and living with Christ, I invite us all to pay attention, to be astonished, and to tell about it. Each and every week, we are going to ask you a singular question. It'll start with something like where or how or what or why. And we're going to ask you to be on the lookout for Jesus to show up in your daily life. You see, living is an extension of our mission here at St. Andrew. It's at the core of everything we do. We believe that faith is a gift, that we are living our faith in our daily lives. It's everything that we do. It's that critically important. So the question this week is where? Where will you see Jesus? This isn't some thought experiment, right? Well, I suppose I might see Jesus. No, I'm asking you to expect to see Jesus someplace this week, to make a date with Jesus somewhere this week. Because where can we see Jesus? Where are we living with Christ? I don't think it's up in the clouds. I don't think it's on the beautiful mountaintops. I don't think it's even in the deepest uh, service experience that we could imagine. I don't think it's just up at Spirit in the Pines. I don't think it's in the beautiful moments with family and friends that you write about and tell about for all of eternity. I think when we think about where we're going to meet Jesus, it's here. 
It's everywhere. So my question for you today is where will you meet Jesus this week? Make that date. Go see Jesus. Because indeed, we are living with Christ. Christ was risen to the disciples. Christ ascended into heaven, and they had to figure out how to live a life of faith day in and day out. But alas, Jesus is here. Jesus is everywhere. Amen. You think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you and God bless.